This morning, we're going to be looking at the last in uh, the series of characteristics of a follower of Jesus. It's what we've been looking, oh, I have been looking at over the last couple of weeks. It's actually the sixth one. And I've called this Work with Jesus. Work with Jesus. I'd be interested to find out if you can actually tell me the other five, but I maybe won't push you on that. But if you've been here, you might have heard them. Um, Now, the reason um, I've deliberately left this one to last is because it's often where the Christian goes first to express their identity. Are you a Christian? What do you do? You know, and you express that. Um, The problem is we look at what we do and we define ourselves by, you know, our actions before we look at who we are in God. Now, I can express it this way. I can say I'm a pastor and that's where I get my identity. You don't know that. I live that out. But, you know, the problem with that is I'm a human and I fail and if I'm living off the hope that I'm a pastor, then I'm going to seriously let myself down and then try and hide it from you so you don't see me letting you down. And you see the spiral I've got myself in? If I define my identity by who I am, then I have a problem. But you see, I don't define myself by who I am, by what I do, I define myself by who I am in Christ. And that is, I'm a new creation. I've been saved by Jesus. And I stand here in his righteousness. I am a child of the living God. I mean, how awesome is that? That's who I am. I am an heir of the king. And there's many more promises. That's who I am. That's who I stand in. Because the pastor bit's going to go up and down. It'll change with the day. It'll change with where I'm at, my emotions. It'll, it'll go up and down all around the place if I define myself by that. But if I sit on who God sees me at, then I have that sense of where I am. And that's the, the foundation that I can then build my life on. Don't get me wrong, though. It is true that it is by your fruit that people will know you. In fact, Jesus said that in Matthew seven sixteen. And if you have a look at this verse here, Jesus is very clear that you have to first abide in him, and if you abide in him, if you don't abide in him, you will not bear fruit. Now, fruit is the work of the Christian. As is fruit is the outcome of the vine. But you see, if the branch doesn't abide in the vine, then it doesn't get to bear the fruit. So you can tell a Christian by what they do, but that's not where they find their sense of worth in. You see, it's all to do with abiding. All has to do with abiding. Abiding must come first. And abiding means just to stay joined or to continue, or to endure, or remain. And that's why the branch has to remain in the vine, otherwise it won't produce the fruit. If the branch breaks away or is cut off, it can't grow anymore. So it has to abide, it has to be there. And this is the important truth that we must understand when we're talking about working for God. You've got to understand this. And it can be put this way. 
He will always work in you before he works through you. That's the abiding bit. God will always work in you before he works through you. That was Kerry's testimony. God's been working in her over these couple of weeks. But very close on its heels is this. He will always work in you as he works through you. As you step out, he's going to work through you. Okay? Now, a good illustration of this is the Apostle Peter. If you can remember, Peter's one of the disciples. And he boasts very openly when Jesus says, I've got to go into Jerusalem and I'm going to die. He goes, no, you're not going to die. I've got to stand up. And, and, and Jesus has to pull him up. And he says, Peter, hold on. You will deny me three times before the cock crows. And Peter's going, I will never, die. I will never deny you. And, he, and Jesus has to pull him up. He says, Peter, you're going to come under some pressure and you're going to give up on me. That's the truth. And Peter goes, no, no, no. Because you see, in Peter's own strength, he is nothing. And Ken Woolley, in his own strength, is nothing. I can give it a good go, but I come up short. But after Peter's denial, Jesus catches up to him. And so Jesus dies, he rises again, and we find that a conversation that's in John 21, the last chapter of John, and Jesus meets Peter on the beach, and he has a talk to Peter about this whole process. And what he does is he reassures Peter, and he encourages Peter for his future work, and he says, I need you to go in, back into Jerusalem, I need you to wait for the Spirit. And we find that that's what he does. He goes in, and then the Holy Spirit comes down, and we call it Pentecost, and the Spirit equips Peter, and what we find is that Peter's empowered to speak very boldly to the crowd that's gathered there, and in fact, we're told that 3,000 people come to know the Lord that day. Now, here's the man that just 40, 50 days earlier had said, I don't know you. Even when he was asked around the fire by the little servant girl, you're one of those men that knew this man. No, I'm not, he said. I'm not one of those. Three times he does this. You see, God does not abandon us in our service for him. I want to just read something out to you um, from a, a man named Richard Blackaby, and it's out of his book, Experiencing God. I'm going to refer to this guy a bit through this talk. And he says this, As you relate to God, respond to him and adjust your life to him. He will do what he wants through you. Today, our world does not need to see what we can do, but people desperately need to witness what God wants to accomplish through us. You see, you think about Peter. Oh, I will never deny you in his own strength. And then what, when the pressure's on? <laughs> I don't know him. I don't know him. But you put the Holy Spirit into him and God says, now I'll show you what, you want to, what I want you to do. And he preaches to 3,000 people. In fact, it's Peter that leads the church into the future. In God's ways, through God's means, Peter is taking forward the church. You see, and I love, let me just show you this verse here. This is um, Peter and John, and they're, they're questioned by the rulers of the temple. And it says here, when they observed, that's the, uh, the, the rulers of the temple, when they observed the boldness of Peter and John and realised that they were uneducated and untrained men, 
They were amazed and knew that they had been with Jesus. Do you think Peter's a bold person? Would you really call him that? When they observed the boldness? Now, if you'd gone back prior to Jesus' death, you would have gone, the guy's a wimp. He's wimped out three times. But when he meets the power of God, the resurrected Lord and the Holy Spirit, he stands up and he preaches and he is a different man. So these people, these rulers of the temple, say, look at the boldness of these guys. Because they're uneducated and they're untrained. I mean, they're fishermen. Come on. But look what God does through them. And what was the difference, as these rulers of the temple said? They'd been with Jesus. That was the difference. You see, the works of Peter and John were amazing. Why is that? Because God was working in their uneducated and untrained lives. You've got to notice that it was said that they were bold. Peter the one who denies Jesus three times. Peter and John's works were amazing because God was at work in them, both before and as he worked through them. And that's what he wants to do to us. Let me show you this, though. Blackaby says this, when you believe that nothing consequential can happen through you, you've said more about your belief in God than you've indicated about yourself. If you, were saying, if you were saying in yourself, oh, God can't use me, I'm untrained, I'm unskilled, then you're telling me more about your theology of God than about who you are, than about who God is. Because you see, you're saying, the God that creates the universe, that breathes life into my body, that into the whole world and brings it forth, he can't really use me. So you've made this God that's absolutely amazing and awesome smaller than you. So who becomes God at that point? You do. You become God because you just said he can't do that. I'm bigger than God. And it's important to note this, that when God wants to use you, he will equip you to be the person that he wants you to be and to go where he wants you to go. So to break down what I mean about working for Jesus, I'm going to ask a series of questions. And I know those of you who take notes will be going, yes, I can write questions. Because people, I find, I want to have these questions so I can tick them off and understand them. I logically work it through. So I, this is the way I work, and this is what I'm going to do. Here's the first one. If we had to work with Jesus, what is this work? If we're talking about working with Jesus, what is this work? Well, the answer, I believe, comes in two parts. The first one is this. You must allow God to work in you. And it's the big word called sanctification. And I think that's what Kerry was experiencing in her testimony. Sanctification. It's a word that has past, present and future tense when it's used in the Bible. It means God has worked in me, God is working in me and God is going to work in me. It's the process of making me more like himself. It's his moulding me. Big word, sanctification. God saves you by Jesus and he sends the Holy Spirit to purify you. God wants to transform every person he saves. That's why he does not leave us in the same place that we are. God does not leave us that way. He has a design for you and he will work that way. But God's work is to both save, and that's what he does by Christ on the cross, but also to transform. 
And that is the work of the Holy Spirit in us. Our role in this, in being transformed, I believe, is to allow the Holy Spirit to do that work. So we have to step in line with him and go, it's yours. It's your work, God. I want to join you in it. Our role is to join him in it. But secondly, it's to imitate what Jesus, sorry, it's secondly, it's to imitate what Jesus came to earth for. Now, let's have a look. The verse that stands out to me is, the works that I do, Jesus said in my Father's name, bear witness about me. So the work that Jesus does bears witness to him. Okay? Jesus did God's work. God's work was about more big words, salvation, redemption, reconciliation. Now, let me just bring all that down for you. I call it God's rescue operation. God has a rescue operation. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve fell out of relationship with God because of sin. And from that moment on, God had a rescue operation, a plan to get them back into his presence. To get them back there. God is all about rescuing his people from their own self-destruction by sin and saving them to new life. And of course, the best verse known is that very story, isn't it? For God so loved the world, there's salvation, that he gave his only son, there's redemption, buying it back, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. There's reconciliation. That's the story of the, the gospel. God's rescue operation is right there. So when Jesus was asked about what, uh, what was God's work, he answered it this way. This is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. See, the work of God is that we would believe in Jesus and we would build our life around him. And this is the work that he invites those of us he rescues to join him in. All of those of us here this morning who believe in the living God and walk in his ways, rescued by him, he wants us to take those words to the world we live in. It's called the Great Commission, and you can find it in Matthew 28, the last chapter of Matthew 28. That's what it's called. We, we call it the Great Commission. Telling people about Jesus and his rescue operation. His work becomes our work. So the second question then, well, what does God, why does God persevere with his work in us? If he wants us to be these people that take his word out and talk about Jesus, why does he then persevere with us? Because I let him down. Don't I fail and fall short so often? It's because of this. He loves us and he is always at work. Now, I read that famous verse to you, John 3.16, and that was all taken from a conversation with a man named Nicodemus in John 3. That verse comes out of that conversation. You see, Jesus told Nicodemus that God loved the world so much that he was willing to send his son to die so the world could live. Jesus was making a very clear statement about the motivation behind God's work, and it's love. For God so loved the world that he sent his son to die. Love is the motivation behind what God, God's work is. 
God is the one who actively pursues the love relationship with us. We don't naturally seek God. And you can see how important this love relationship is to God when you see that he was willing to let his son to die to make this happen. You see, you and I only know about the love of God because of what Christ has done for us. We recognise it and experience it. I can enter into the presence of God because Christ came for me and displays God's great love for me. Everything we receive from God comes in response to his invitation. God's work in us is both personal and practical. And this is the work that he invites us into. He desires to rescue those who are lost, those who are hurting, and those who have gone astray. But he also doesn't want to just leave us there. He wants to transform us. And this is God's work. And this is the work that we join him in. He's working to accomplish his purpose. Blackaby says this. He already has his own agenda when he approaches us. His desire, that's God's desire, is to get us from where we are to where he is working. He leads us from being self-centred to being God-centred. When God reveals to you where he is working, that becomes his invitation to join him in his activity. When God reveals his work to you, that is the time to respond to him. And so my question when I get up in the mornings, okay, God, where are you working today that I need to join you in? Because God is always working. It's not that I have to find this out in my own strength. I just need him to reveal it to me and I need to join him in it because God never stops working in this bringing us back to himself. The third question is this. How does God reveal his work that he wants us to do? Well, it's achieved through relationship. And it's a big one for you and I, because this is how you and I are going to have to work. It's going to be through relationship. When we're saved, God indwells us by his spirit, and we start to be drawn deeper and closer in our, in our walk with him. Growing in our trust of him and our faith in him. That's the journey that you and I are in. Okay? This all happens as he speaks to us by his Holy Spirit. And that will come through the Bible. It will come through prayer. It will come through circumstances that happen. And it will come through the church. And what I mean by the church, through other believers. That will reveal God to you and to us. His purpose and his ways will come to us by many different means. But I can guarantee it always comes through relationship. And that's what we need to understand with doing the work of God. That you need to create relationship with those people around you in your world so that you can share the gospel with them, the good news, the rescue operation. So you are placed in your neighbourhood for that very purpose. I find it interesting... Some people say, I don't know why I'm living in this place, in this, this neighbourhood, why God has put me here. Well, if God has put you there, he's got you there for a reason to do something. If he's got you there, ask him, what is it? You know that verse, 
You never put a, a, a light a lamp and put a bowl over the top of it. You, you, you take the bowl off so it lights up everywhere. Well, that's the same with us. Let's not live in our neighbourhood with a bowl over it. Let's get that open and let the world see who God is through you as you join him in this work that he has for you. God's work of incredible love will be revealed to you as you avail yourself to listen to him. So what is the outcome of having God's work revealed to us? Well, I think the outcome of being led by God, listening to him and desiring to be obedient to him, is that this will require you to do something. It will require you to do something. You are going to have to act. Now, the outcome of being um, led by God, it's really a case of putting your faith into action. Isn't it? It means you actually have to put your feet to the ground and walk ahead and do something. It's putting into practice what you know. You're going to have to be obedient to him and that's going to require you, require you to do it. You will have to apply your faith. But let me just say at this point, that's probably where a crisis may occur in your thinking. Do you really want me to do that, God? Have I really heard you say that? I say a crisis because it might be, it might be much bigger than you feel comfortable with. Blackaby says it this way. God wants a watching world to come to know who he truly is. He does not call you to get involved in his activity merely so people can see what you can do. When he asks you to do something you cannot do, you will face a crisis of belief. You'll have to decide what you really believe about God. Can he and will he do what he has said he wants to do through you? Can God do the seemingly impossible through your ordinary life? How you respond to his invitation reveals what you truly believe about God regardless of what you say. Now, you're sitting on a train and in your spirit you hear, I need you to turn to the person next to you and talk to them. How do you feel? See, there's a crisis of belief happening right now. I don't do that. Now, I've said that many times. I'm not one that talks to everyone. That's not my personality. But if I hear that, then I have to make a choice. Is that what you want, God? Did I hear that right? No, it's just my head telling me. No, I, but and this is what goes on in my head. But you know what? I can turn to that person and start the conversation. If they don't want to get involved, they'll, they'll show me that, won't they? If they don't want to engage with me, they'll clearly show that. What have I got to lose? They're not going to talk to me. I thought I heard God. They don't want to engage me. Maybe I got it wrong. Maybe I got it I don't know. Maybe they've got it wrong. At least I was obedient. And I think this is the point that God wants us to learn. You know, we have an opportunity in our workplace. We have an opportunity in our neighbourhood. We have an opportunity within our families to listen to what God wants us to do and to step out and to listen to what we are to t- and be obedient to what we are told to do. You see, it's the point of involvement in working with Jesus 
that you have to walk by faith and not by sight. See, when someone, if those words are dropped into my heart, just turn to the person next to you and say hello or engage with them in relationship. I have to express faith in this. And without faith, it's impossible to please him because it's beyond me. I don't naturally do that. But if God is leading me to do something, I have to engage in that. I can believe all I like about God. I can know all the scriptures. But what he truly requires is that I obey him by stepping out in faith, doing that which might not be very comfortable to do. That's working for God. Fifth question. What does it mean to truly obey him then? Well, I may need to make major adjustments in my life to join him in what he is doing. I may need to get over this fear that I have and engage with him because perfect love casts out all fear. And what is perfect love or who is perfect love? God. God casts out all fear. So when I sit in my fearfulness of thinking I need to talk to this person or whatever it is, bake a cake for my neighbour next door, whatever the God is telling you to do, I need to go, God, you've got this. I need to step into it with you. Remember I said God's work is both salvation and transformation. Now, most times, to get you from where you are to where he wants you to be, significant changes may need to happen in your life. And these areas of change will touch you in your thinking, your circumstances, your relationships, your commitments, your actions, your beliefs. All areas of your life. The thing to realise is that if you desire to be formed by God, you cannot stay the way you are. God will not let that happen if you desire to be like him. He will not let you stay the way you are. Something happened to me a couple of months back. I was stuck on something that wasn't very productive in my life. And my wife, Fiona, she knew that. She could see that and she said, why don't you go and have prayer on that? You need... She's always wise at this level. <laughs> you need to have someone else talk to you about this and pray about this. Get to the bottom of it because you are stuck. Well, over the two, I booked for two months' time. And I, I, I no, sorry, a month's time. And as it was leading up to it, a week out, I kind of understood why I was stuck. And I kind of went, oh, I think I understand now why that. So a week out, I thought, do I still go to these people for prayer? Mate, mate. And then I thought, hey, it can't hurt. Hey, it's prayer. So I turned up. These two people are ready to pray for me. And I said to them, listen, I had a problem. It's all worked through. But hey, give me half an hour of prayer and that'll be cool. Three hours later, I was a mess on the floor. I puddle on the floor. These people prayed and they touched something in my life. And I just fell apart. And you know, since that day, I have been a different man. These people, well, I, they were only instruments. God gave me a key to my life that has unlocked why I do what I do in my life. And it's the most amazing and revealing and freeing thing I've experienced. I, I kind of go, I'm 57. Why has it taken so long, God? 
And this is something that happened when I was, you know, six, seven, eight, back then. But he's revealed something to me. And it has changed my life. Now, why is it taking until I'm 57? Because God knew that I couldn't hack it before. I'm on this journey. He's revealing things to me. He's still working with me. And until I get taken home, he's going to keep working this process in me because he wants me to be the full and complete child that he desires. What does it mean to truly obey him? I may need to make major adjustments in my life to join him in what he's doing. And God's going, I've got big things for you, Ken. I'm going to make some major adjustments. You need to go to prayer. And you need to deal with these things so that I can, be, I can have you as the man I need you to be for where I want to take you and what I want to do through you. So we must be open to the way God works this. Lastly, oh, sorry. Blackaby says this. As you forego holding your world tightly in your grip and place yourself into the mighty hands of a loving, caring God, he works in you, moulding you to be the person he can use for the work that he's planned for you. As you give yourself over to him, he's going, I can work with this. I can use you in my work. Last question. What is the outcome of truly obeying him? Well, the number one thing is that God is glorified and his work is done. He said, oh, it comes back to God. It's not about us. It's about him. But there's an important second in all of this. You have allowed yourself to experience God forming you. So, you see, even though his will gets done, you get caught up in this amazing wash of working for our great God. You come to know God not just by words and phrases and Bible stories, but by experiencing him in relationship. And this allows you to step out and do his work more faithfully the next time. As you are obedient this time, you'll go, wow, thank you, God. Use me more. That was exciting. And he will take you on that journey of revealing more and more of what he wants to do in and through you with the work that he has in this world. His work within you becomes his work through you. So let me sum it up for you. Let's just read this. I'm going to put these six questions together. What does it mean to work with Jesus? Well, God's work is about saving a lost world. We looked at that. And because he loves you and saves you, he wants to involve you in his activity. We looked at that. As he relates to you, he will, by the Holy Spirit in you, disclose himself, his purposes, and his ways to you. That's what he does. Little by little, he'll disclose more and more of himself. So, we talk about getting real here. Getting real is realizing that he will start to work in you so he can work through you. He's got to do that within us. And this invitation to work with him may lead you to a test of your beliefs that requires faith and action. That's really what Kerry's testimony was about. She's had part of that over the last couple of weeks. You may need to make significant changes in your thinking to adjust yourself to line up with him so you can join him in what he is doing because he's going to bring you around. And he's made adjustments in my thinking in the way I do things and the way I approach life. And that's where you will need to then take action. That means... Apply what he's asking or revealing to you. Remember this though. The outcome will be that you will come to know God by experiences 
experience as you obey him. And you will grow in him as he accomplishes his work through you. So ask him, and this is the prayer that all of us need to go home with, what is your work? How can I join you in it? That's what I want you to ask in your own private place. What is your work, God? And how can I join you in it? To step forward and join God in the work that he has for you. I'm going to ask the uh, worship team to come forward. And uh, I'd love you to come forward. If there's something that's been said today, something you would like prayer for, if there's something that you come with another burden on your heart, come on forward. Let me just pray for you, and then we can go. Great God, we do thank you. Thank you for the challenge. We understand that we're not defined by our work, but we certainly are called to work. And that is to join you in your work, to step forward the way you want us to go and to do what you want us to do. Father God, thank you that you don't leave us alone in that, that your spirit empowers us. May we have our ears switched on to what you want and may we apply the faith that you have given us to step out in obedience to that and live the life you have for us. May we hear you and know and join you in what you want to do in and through us and to the world around us that you have placed us in. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.